Welcome to episode 45 of Dream Signs in the Times. I'm Lori Lacey, and this is going to be the last podcast of this year. Everything from now on will be uh, season two. (laughs) So we got 45 in this year, and that's pretty cool for the first year, I think. And I appreciate your listening so much. Um, So today, I would like to look at nuance and the reason I'm doing that is that we're dealing with a world that there's so much um, categorization and uh, putting labels on things and uh, calling something good or bad for reasons that are uh, based on a lot of times our own experience and the nuances of the truths that are trying to come to the surface sometimes are so many that I think they overwhelm the mind sometimes. And so we have to create these limiting categories in order to shave off some of the overtones, so to speak, like if you're, you know, a piece of music or a a musical tone and, uh, if you put it in a compressor, through a compressor, if you put a sound through a compressor, which is a, a processing unit for sound, uh, if you're doing recordings, the a lot of the overtones or the uh, the things that, that make a, a sound have a certain type of color or uh, fill out the sound have to be shaved off in a sense and compressed and put through this thing to, so that... The other sounds, if you're mixing a bunch of sounds together, the, they mix together and they don't interfere with each other. For, like, say, one's a guitar and one's a bass and there's some overlapping um, uh, frequencies and things like that. And I'm not a, a, an expert on this. I've just been in the studio a bunch of times and, and had to use compression at different times. Uh, there can be issues with competing frequencies. There can be um, aspects that d- the recording device doesn't pick up very well uh so it has to be altered a little bit to make it sound a certain way what happens though is you lose a little bit of that natural sound and it homogenizes things to the point where uh it may sound more sort of pleasing in that context but it gets it further and further away from the natural sound uh a lot of what we hear on the radio and uh just with or used to be the radio (laughs) um you know, uh, recorded music has this processing that causes things to sound a lot different from reality. The the most extreme version of that is, is auto-tune, but, um, where, you know, somebody's completely changed, uh, into like almost an electro electronified sound anyway. So, um, but all that aside, I'm a person who picks up on nuances, but for a long time, it was hard for me to, um, understand what they were. And I would, I would be looking for something to be one way or the other. And we both, or we all know, both of us, you know, if you're a single person listening right now, um, we all know that, that there's so much more going on, but our minds have a lot of trouble, I think, processing that much information. So we shave off what does not apply to us in our minds and uh, categorize things as either friend or foe, good or evil, useful or not useful. And this is a way of, of I think, cutting down on some of that information. And 
people get mad at people for not doing that exactly the same way. And that's where a lot of this conflict comes from. And uh, in art, when you look at a, a piece and you're moved by it, it's usually for reasons that don't have anything to do with the obvious. You know, there may be some nuance or little arrangement of color or um, the way a line flows into another line that feels familiar and feels good to us in a certain way. And I guess in that sense, we've called it good, but it's a, it's it's more than just like, it, we're experiencing the dimensional aspect of things. And um, so when you see something, you're, you're getting an overall, over, overall mood situation that gets created by these things. And so nuance comes together and creates an experience. But when we theorize or uh, use things and try to shoehorn them into some dogmatic thing that's real easy and makes sense, we end up just absolutely shaving off all of that stuff that might make a situation unique. But rather than judge people for doing that, I want to kind of talk through why this happens because we can deem somebody an enemy because of some belief pattern or a set of or, or style of living or situation where we put them in a category of friend or foe or good or bad. And we, if we put them in the bad category, we can write them off in a sense and, and they don't take up our attention anymore. And that is a very lazy way to do things. And I'm, I don't mean to be critical of us for doing it. I do it too. I'm when I'm in a critical mode or when I'm really examining things to the level that I am right now, it's because I am struggling with some aspect of this myself. And uh, when when we're growing up, you, you know, people go, oh, that, that person's a bad person. Or, and, uh, you know, uh, we can go into all kinds of um, scenarios where there might be a psychotic tendency or whatever, and the person is causing harm all the time. And so... That by labeling somebody bad who is doing that constantly, I think that is a defense mechanism. And I do believe that if you're interacting with somebody like that, especially if you're somebody who works in a field where there are a lot of people who have gone through or that you, you know, encounter a lot of behavior of that type, it can be easy to be like, well, I'm better than they are or whatever. And especially if it's like somebody who's doing just terrible, horrible things. But um, and I'm, I'm a proponent of protect oneself first and then try to understand somebody else. I've seen people go to the extreme of like, well, everybody like that has had a bad story and it's usually true, but in that way they start to feel sorry for that other person, which takes away the other person's power as a person. It, it, it puts them beneath the person actually to feel sorry for them. And, um, but it also, uh, drops the defenses a little bit and the person might walk, uh, that's feeling that way, altruistic to that level or whatever, may walk into that situation and not be protected or not be prepared and end up getting hurt or killed or, you know, something bad happening to the person. The trick in a lot of this stuff is to keep in mind that, the person might be dangerous or the situation might be dangerous in these extreme situations and still retain humanity. 
still retain this idea that the person is a human and under certain conditions, all of us might act a certain way. Now, hopefully people are striving to make decisions that overcome their their circumstances if it was a really rough childhood or something. But to call people like good or evil or whatever as a, a that's kind of a lazy protection mechanism. And it might work on the surface of like, well, I just avoid all those people. But the universe has a way of bringing uh, situations like that with nuanced characteristics. It's like, oh, but this person presented a certain way at first and then turned out to have this other side. But yet, and, and it has to be negotiated with and, and like, okay, that has to be accepted that they have this side that wants to cause harm. But um the idea of of putting them into the evil category um it's it's a lazy way of dealing with things now again i'm all about self protection at all times so this doesn't mean that it's like oh well we walk in to a situ- situation unprepared and because we believe that everything is going to be okay then it is going to be okay i i believe that yes you have to catch that wave of goodness and follow those kinds of things but with your eyes open and um and no no person is all one thing or the other. And that, that gets rough on the internal psyche of this idea of like, well, are you a good person or are you a bad person? Um, we struggle with that kind of thing because if somebody has some negative thought patterns that go on or are dealing with some stuff where they might be going through a part of their lives where, where the shit's hitting the fan and, you know, a lot of stuff is happening all at once and that it is negative, they might come to the conclusion, oh, I'm a bad person. That's not what is happening. Every single person goes through some kind of inter- internal struggle. And it's how we treat ourselves in these internal struggles that is uh, one of the key ways to to handling this and plus not boxing ourselves or boxing other people into this one way or another. We, we tend to think, oh, well, I can trust a person implicitly just because they are a good person. That's not true either. And um, that is, again, this kind of unnuanced and um, economical way of handling things that is not always accurate. So accuracy is... Uh, an interesting way of looking through the lens of that to see what's going on. And we may or may not have the mental faculties or experience or um, sensory input capabilities to always get us to the deepest, most nuanced and um, particular truths that are out there. But we can work with the 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 apparatus and the conglomeration of what we have at hand and come up with some ways of handling situations where we don't miss the totality of the experience. So um, I don't like watching people write people off because they uh, fall under some label that usually is levied by the person and probably doesn't cover all of what that person is about. And again, I struggle with this because I, I get a little bit of that attack pattern from people who opt into a dogmatic way of thinking. And that can happen across the spectrum of belief. It doesn't mean it's just one belief system. That's why I label things dogma so that it covers dogma in every realm. Because no one realm is more righteous than the other. Um, I've, I've met uh, people who 
are heavy metal mosh pit dwelling people who are some of the most like when they get wired at, at a concert and they're listening to metal and they get in the mosh pit and they throw down and all this stuff, they're also some of the nicest people I've ever met. And that's because they find a way to channel this thing and um, this the, the side of themselves that they um, are trying to come to terms with in some way that doesn't fit that perfectionist's uh, good or evil kind of pattern. And so in wrestling with that, they found that metal might be a way to to express that. And when they get, get in the pit like that, they get it worked out. Not everybody. There's some assholes in the pit. You know, I, I know they do some stupid shit. But for the most part, people are, are in there to feel that feeling and then get out. And they are, they're sometimes the nicest people you've ever met. So... It just depends on the situation. And again, a person has to keep their eyes open as they um, encounter these things. And But the accuracy is when you realize that there, there are multiple things happening at one time, then um, the you get closer to the truth of how a person um, can be an aspect of, of your interactions with people. So... The the tough part about all this is it gets tiring. And if we don't exercise that uh, ability to see nuance and experience the nuances, then we get lazy and we start to want to write people off or write situations off as right or wrong, friend or foe. Um, you're for me or you're against me. And these obviously these things don't cover all of the bases. And um, so... If a person has experienced a lot of pain in their life and they're trying to avoid pain, that stuff gets really, really um, separated. And, you know, the nuance is lost in a lot of uh, situations. But uh, the flowing open heart with the warrior spirit of, of the protector that will guard the open heart, that is the archetype that I espouse. And I don't know that it covers any archetype that is out there. I'm just calling it an archetype because that's what I, I want to, uh, that's how I want to live. I want to live as a person who has an open flowing heart that will uh, give people a chance to be part of my world. But with this idea that uh, the warrior is going to enforce those, and I hate this word, but the way people use boundaries, enforce this idea of if it's a choice between you and me, I'm going to have to choose myself. And there's nothing selfish about that. There are 0% selfish about choosing yourself. It doesn't mean you're seeking out dominating others in a, in a way where you take shit from people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if um, somebody puts uh, levies a situation onto you where you're forced to give up a chunk of yourself in order to keep the relationship or the interaction going and the other person is not uh, creating an exchange and I'm seeing tarot cards in my mind. Um, it's the, the giving and receiving tarot card in the coins and I'm forgetting which one it is. Anyway, um, the um if the exchange is not equitable on some level and it doesn't have to be by some standard that is external it could be your own standard 
if you're getting something and they're getting something or it and or it flows into well I help that person or that person um I was able to to help them in a situation but it, it and then it flows someday to the they're helping me in that situation that is also one of those kind of flow patterns that isn't just about each transaction but how that um the dao kind of moves us through the flow of energy moves us into in and out of these things and there is a balance to that there's a not a mathematical balance sheet but it follows its own uh balancing and to me that is really what karma is about is how this flow of balance occurs oh this is really cool i did not expect to go here this was about nuance and it took us into a spot that i i really needed to see cuz I, you know, there are the kind of American, I, I don't know if it's American, but there's the Western or the, let's say pop culture maybe way of looking at karma as well. You did this and so this, it's it means that I'm, you know, I have to do that. And uh, there has to be an equal math problem in a sense uh, that, well, if you do bad things, then karma is going to come slap you. But what if, you know, I keep going and I have a highly mathematical mind and that would appeal to me. But the idea, let's, let's put it this way, I value a mathematical uh, perspective. But the, um, the idea that uh, we know exactly what is happening with all that karma is what if there's a past life? If you believe in past lives, what if this person who's doing all this negative stuff two people is meeting out this karma from something that was done to them in a past life. And, you know, then you're in a friggin' back and forth battle that turns to nothing. You know, it's like, there is no end to that. That's one of those um, ad infinitum, uh, insoluble math problems. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't have a resolution point. And maybe karma doesn't have 100% resolution. And we think, uh, the way I understand karma is that um, uh, as we opt out of the illusion of earth, we come to this understanding of this um, nirvana. Uh, and I think I can use that word this way here. Uh, my friend who um, calls me on on this stuff and listens, which I'm so grateful for because... I'm not an expert in uh, the Eastern religion. I, I have read enough that I know uh, bits and pieces of it. But um, I do believe that, that this flow and this ability to see past the illusions and uh, follow these flow dynamics, uh, and but do it from a perspective of not being um, blindsided by pain and, you know, um, having us altered by them, that is where we get that balance that is kind of what this ascension thing is about. And it's one of those things that I believe happens and it's it's uh, it's like there isn't even this sort of satisfaction with it per se. It's kind of, it's just there and it's happening. And not to say that I know exactly uh, what that means because um, I'm not going to pretend that I think of myself as as having uh, sort of beat the system yet. <laughs> I still experience a certain amount of um, imbalance at times. It it as I get older, it seems to be coming more into balance, and I'm starting to see where um, I have initiated flows that have 
bitten me in the ass or um, initiated situations that um, based on maybe impulse and that's something I, you know, I'm, I'm working with uh, to and, and something comes around and it's like, shit, I didn't mean for that to happen. But that initiation of that flow was uh, a learning curve. But it was also, okay, you know what initiates that flow, so don't, uh, if you don't want that to happen, then don't initiate it in the same way. And that could be an unlearned lesson trying to learn itself, um, or trying to have us learn it and experience things. But, um, so in, in going through all this, the, the karmic flow is more than a math problem. It is um, a participation in an energy, an energy wave. Um, it's an understanding that there may be a lot of nuances that are affecting a situation. But the, I guess the negative part of the ego of this, because I've, I've had this ego discussion with somebody this week too. Um, I almost like got into the ego being a bad thing again. And this person was definitely reminding me uh, of what I've said before, but they didn't, they had their own version of it, but that the ego isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know, in that sense, the ego is very nuanced also. And, um, but it's sort of how the ego plays the role that it does and the neutrality of the ego, uh, becomes something that is is helpful in in again navigating it's awareness it's um it's the ability to make a decision and make a choice and be part of this flow and i sound trippy as shit right now i feel like i've i've not necessarily cul-de-sac but i've definitely followed a flow of some kind but i like where it has taken us i like the fact that um people who are listening to this are catching this wave with me and hopefully you whatever energy that isn't my energy but it, that I'm trying to or that not trying necessarily but I'm allowing to come through and um watching myself you know with the intent of having this flow get somehow um broadcast through the words and through the vibration that is happening in the podcast that whoever's listening can take that and do what you want with it process it how you want and spin off into some cool thought pattern uh i had some crazy ass dreams last night where somebody was head hopping and ended up in my head and i was having a lucid moment with the person and um with people that i know and i don't know this other person very well but I was talking to the person and it was lucid, but I was also like, man, uh, I've got to keep my permeability a little bit more, um, not necessarily guarded, but definitely be more aware of what can come in. Because this person, I'm fairly certain it was this person's actual essence that was in there that had the hopping thing that I did a, a podcast on. And, um, but what came out of that was this, I, uh, there was a heart flow to the whole thing, but there was also like making sure that I initiate a flow and follow this flow of things so that, uh, whatever the dream was trying to teach me about this person's access to my mind, I need to make sure that I am understanding what is happening and that, that people don't have full access to, uh, my energy per se, but that maybe there's a way to semi-consciously at least, um, enhance that kind of situation so that I'm playing around in the dream field instead of feeling as though somebody popped into my dream field. 
Um, and, but that, you know, it's, it's so funny. It's like any skill. I feel like I'm at the, um, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call myself an expert on understanding dreams, but I have some experience and I've spent a lot of time being aware of dreams, dream, researching dreams and researching psychology and dream patterns and psychic phenomenon and phenomena. And, um, but it's like anything else, like jazz or jujitsu or any of these flowing kind of uh, art forms. There are so many levels to it that um, I think I'm still swimming around in this distracted kind of uh, level of things. But if I keep it as it's a, a Tao-oriented Dao thing, like Taoism, it, uh, the, the flow that we keep talking about, um, it's teaching me with these situations. And nothing happened that was particularly like painful in the dream or um, there's very, there was that neutrality that lucid dreaming has that where you're, you're the observer and there's an objective perspective from, you know, in the dream pattern. But, um, there was definitely also like, oh my gosh, you know, a reminder that there's so much more going on than meets the eye. And I would say with all of this right now, people be aware of, of the possibility of, uh, I don't want to say negative energies, but things that might be permeating our consciousness, just keeping an eye on, okay, if I'm feeling bad during the day for some reason, or especially some kind of stress or anxiety that, and not necessarily diagnosable, but um, this, I, this feeling of unease, I'd rather not put any kind of clinical terminology on it. Even, even if it is still one of those terms that we use to describe these things, I still don't want um, there to be any connotation. I would say just this unease or unrest and there's no palpable um, source for it then our fight or flight mode is being activated by something that we may be sensing on the extrasensory levels. And if that bothers you as a concept like, shit, all this stuff is coming in, fuck, then shut that idea out. We don't have to like be privy to that all the time. There are times in my life where if I accepted that openness as a thing, it would have driven me out of my fucking mind. So, uh, we can take that in small doses as like, okay, yes, there is the possibility that negative energies are bothering things, but, and there, every time we are able to shut that stuff off, if we understand that we are the stewards of our own existence and, um, that ta- that's a level thing too. And if it takes help from, from other angles and stuff because of mental health things, fine, of course, but, just that however a person can get to the to the idea that I control my own mind and there's a way to uh, understand these things from that sense of control and then we can get to the strength of realizing that we can set um, psychic boundaries, which is sometimes we have to set up a thing where we have like say a protective cloud around us that will keep out negative energies, but some, some negative energies might be able to figure that out. It's just like a firewall with, um, you know, any kind of protection on a, a computer or something. We can have a firewall, but we, we can have our own idea of how that works and then trust that the higher powers will design some aspect of it that we may not see coming. And 
so I always kind of keep that open. And then there's like this idea of, you know, a distraction where if something comes in and it feels like it could penetrate the firewall, then we can uh, have distractions set up that, that are um, just like can drive that, that negative energy into another area. And a person can compose this however they want. And you can have this infinite um, maze that a negative energy uh, could could have to go through and be so distracted that they would forget about you as a, a target for whatever their bullshit is. So um, this idea of psychic protection is is very important right now. It's the, the energies that we're dealing with and we're getting bombarded by too much information, which causes this unnuanced black and white way of viewing the world. And when you're talking about yin and yang, it's a flowing thing. It is represented by, yes, these black black and white um, sort of teardrop things that flow into each other. And I, I, I ran across them in a reading where they are actually like snakes uh, of the DNA helix. Um, and the reading was from uh, the Cosmic Serpent. And man, that hit on a lot of levels. But the point of the analogy is that it's not just saying that things are black and white. It, it's talking about how these um, seemingly polarized, uh, they're not there kind of things are interacting constantly. And the nuance is created from the interactions of the uh, they're not there or inside, outside kind of thing. So it's these interactions that create these art, nuance artifacts. And yes, there may be a sense of... Um, you know, like a positive number and a negative number, like negative one and and uh, and positive one, in integrated with that model. But it's because it's a flowing um, diagram and it's representative of energy that flows in and out. This the interaction of it and the flow of energy through that particular sequence of things is um, where the beauty and nuance. Of, is and this stuff is so friggin' amazing. Uh, I'm reading a lot on snakes as um, uh, symbols, and they talk about uh, the reading that I'm I'm spending a lot of time on. Uh, talks about how the two serpents intertwine, and the caduceus is that whole idea, uh, and the DNA helix pattern of how basically light shines through this configuration and creates life. And DNA is the, the basis of all life. This is where the beauty and the nuance and the reason that we're here, I believe, is uh, comes, comes to bear. Because we have these structures and these ideas and we tend to literalize these structures. We tend to think of them as the, the model or the theory that they are. And they are a, 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 a living, breathing, moving um, flowing thing that we have tried to, again, this is where words are a problem sometimes is that it, it stunts that thing. It keeps the nuance encapsulated in this, this, um, sort of cage of, of left brain thinking and analysis that we do to try to control things rather than be part of the flow of things. And it's hard when something bad has happened and you weren't prepared for it. That's where we lose the nuance. We're like, fuck that. We ain't going through that again. But it's that awareness and eyes open, even situational awareness of just being 
not hypervigilant, but aware of surroundings. We have a tendency to want to block off things like, oh, that won't happen and put our head in the sand. I've, I've said that in the last episode. Um, but, or we're so hypervigilant that we're, that we're, our system is hijacked by too much information. And so negotiating that flow and the, the, the bottom line of that is if we're heart centered and aware of, and, and I mean that literally in the heart chakra, not like, oh, we got to be all heart centered and blah, love, uh, you know, yeah, love everybody. It's a cool thing, but protected too and flowing. And the Tao has its own protection flow in a sense. It doesn't mean you can't keep your eyes open. You do need to keep your eyes open. And But the coolest thing, the reason you're keeping your eyes open is because you're able to see the nuances. And the nuances will reveal things that you might need to keep an eye on, you know, so that you are able to, to navigate and safely go through this stuff and avoid the bombardment of, of negative energy patterns. Because what they're all trying to do is talk us out of our power. And the more in our power we are, the less external power we are going to need to deal with situations. It comes from inside and the inside resonates, resonates with the outside and causes uh, this balance to happen where the flow is, is basically unhindered. And that might be the nirvana that my friend was talking about. That might be the state of bliss where we, we learn the lessons, we learn some lessons and we're always going to be learning. But as we learn them and, and ride this, these waves, the better a wave rider we are, the stronger we are. Not how do we avoid every single wave that happens or, or how do we crush the waves so that, that we are in control of every aspect of it. That, that is not a realistic way to, to handle these things. It's becoming a better surfer in the sense that makes us more powerful in this world of physics that is a constant bunch of waves that are crashing on each other, but also interacting and creating other little ripples and waves. That's that fractal model pattern. And we will never be bored if we understand some of that. And I know the shit when I talk about it is all over the fucking place. I get it. But this it's because it is not easily harnessed in words. I have felt these things lately and felt them at different points in my life. And I know I'm in some of those vantage points of, of this light and alignment that is saying, whoa, okay, you're starting to get it. And any skill that is acquired... You can uh, logically do certain things but to, to make it better and practice things. But a lot of people practice shit and they practice like wrong, so to speak, because they don't get external input or they don't uh, find, uh, learn from experience or they don't change when they need to adjust the way they're riding the flow. And so they can practice bad habits into things. When you get to the point where you're like, I see that I need to change something. Okay, let's adjust that a little bit. And there's a confidence with that. You're a wave rider. That is the shit. Holy cow. Can I tell you how much you guys rock? I'm just going to keep saying it. I appreciate your listening so much. And don't let anybody talk you out of your power. That shit is yours. Wave riders. <laughs>